Hello and welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me covers the Indianapolis Colts for Sports Illustrated to break down this game as if it is the game of the century between the Vikings and the Colts on Saturday night. It is Zach Hicks who has become one of my favorite Twitter follows. We got together before Vikings and Colts last year, which was an abomination of a football game, but we broke down the hell out of it beforehand. Zach, what's going on, buddy? Hey, uh, pretty good, man. Obviously still riding that high from that week two victory last year. <laughs> and that was, you know, the peak of everything last year. But uh, no, doing good. Uh, excited for another preseason game. And honestly, you know, we all joke about preseason. It doesn't really matter or anything like that. But I personally love the preseason as a draft guy. You know, I get to see all these guys who I thought were going to be stars in the league, you know, play their way off of a roster within a couple days and and never see them again. So it's it's always fun to see them out there and see what they do, uh, especially those quarterbacks that everybody loved in college that thought, you know, the greatest thing ever, they go undrafted and they throw a couple picks in the preseason. I always, I always enjoy preseason football. Yeah. I don't think I've seen Chris Sims say that Kellen Mond is better than uh, any of the other quarterbacks. <laughs> so far recently. And I guess that we just need to acknowledge that he's just everybody else. Like mm-hmm. you pick, you pick your guys and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I've always say, and this is as a, a huge enjoyer of draft season, but you just don't know until they get here and they mm-hmm. put on the pads. And then usually by like the second week of pads, then you've got a pretty good feeling. Can this guy play in the NFL or not? And until then you can't. So what you can do and what I appreciated about following your work through the draft season is you can interview these guys. You can learn about them. You can give information about them and take your best guess. Is this a good idea for my team or not based on what we know? Yeah. But if you're trying to pick out who's going to succeed and who's not, Josh Rosen just got cut uh, by <laughs> another team. And, you know, so- sometimes you hit, sometimes you don't. Yeah, yeah, it's funny with the interview stuff that I do. The main reason I started is because because the Colts actually uh, have a Green Beret on their staff, right? He's like their director of, I think he's their director of player personnel or uh, something around the lines of that, um, named Brian Decker. And his entire job is just to analyze these players when they're coming in. You know, analyze like he sits down with them for maybe 10, 15 minute interviews and analyze can they, you know, what kind of character they are and can they, you know, be like NFL quality players and stuff like that with that character. Uh, So I was like, well, I feel like I'm missing a huge part of the piece then. And that's a big thing because, you know, when you're just watching film, you can watch a guy and he's doing everything right. And it's like, wow, he's so good. And then they fall to the fifth or sixth round. You're like, what did the NFL see that I didn't? But they get so much more behind the scenes from talking to coaches, talking all that. And, and that, yeah, like you said, you never really know what these guys until those first couple of weeks of padded practice. I think there's a famous story. I don't know who told that. It might've been, might've been Ron Wolf or some, one of the players that played with the Packers, but uh, in the early two thousands, they spent uh, a high round pick first or second round pick on some guy. And I think the, the story goes that in like within the first day or two of pad of practice, they were like, oh, we made a mistake. Like, yep. Oh, like, yeah. This guy does not belong yes. in the NFL. And sure enough, I think he only played like 15, 20 games and he was out of the league. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy how they can see it and stuff like that uh, within those first cult practices. But that's the only time you really know. And that's kind of what goes into that. What people say, the draft is a crapshoot. And to, in a way, it kind of is. And it's amazing how the NFL gets the order generally right. Like the first Mm -hmm. round picks are much more likely to hit than the sixth round picks by a huge margin. So they know what they're doing, but which first round picks Mm -hmm. guys who have the baseline talent, athleticism, production in college, 
which of those guys are going to work out is sort of anybody's guess. Like you've got you know better odds that the first rounder is going to work out and become a great player, but do they know if the 13th pick is going to be better than the 14th pick or if they're looking at their draft board saying these guys are each a seven out of 10 prospect and which one's going to succeed, which one's going to fail. A lot of times it has to do with just how much dedication you have to it. And a lot of guys draft night is the peak of their career. And a lot of, a lot of times it's, I got drafted. I made it. I'm going to get this signing bonus and so forth. And then when they go out there, they go, Oh wow. Harrison Smith is way better than me. Right. And and that's, I think that happens a lot. It takes a lot of, a lot of guts. It's a totally different game with the level of speed and violence. And so I think that even like Wyatt Davis is playing with the third team and the level of speed that you need to get to a linebacker at the second level on a run play in college versus the NFL is completely different. And I think he got there and went, Oh man, I need, I need to lose some weight. I need to get quicker. I need, and, and that's, what they said, you know, kind of publicly was Mike Zimmer said he's got to lose some weight because he's mm-hmm. going to have to get to those linebackers to make those plays. And it's like, how can you really know that when you're watching on tape? The linebackers for Ohio State, I mean, Tough Borland was one of them. He's not going to make this team. And, and he was one of their best players, right? So yeah. how can you really judge that? You can only judge that the guy has the physical tools to maybe start and and maybe the, the personality and makeup. But w- once it, it takes the real guts to be out there and I, it's just hard to say yeah no it, it's fascinating too like uh i think the best way i've heard it illustrated to me was uh the story of Kari willis with the colts uh you know Kari willis was a fourth round pick a guy who you know they probably saw as more of a special teams guy who maybe could start i know they had him really like rated higher than a fourth rounder uh, but they probably never saw him being as sturdy as a starter as he is now and from talking with players who have talked to him and and i think i talked to him before that draft as well it's fascinating how much a player goes through mentally within that first couple weeks of training camp. And mm-hmm. a big thing with Willis was, you know, he came into training camp, I think at like 225, right, for a safety. And if you don't know the Colts defense, you know, Darius Leonard plays at like 210 at linebacker. Uh, Bobby Okariki plays at like 215, 220. So these these guys play like smaller and faster. So a big thing for Kari Willis was getting down to around 210, 215, but maintaining, you know, a diet. And so it's, it's so much like, you know, if you're not fully committed to this and you don't have the mentality to change everything about your body type, your your work ethic, your habits, uh, you're not going to make it. And that's so many things that you can't really see within the process. And even these, these, you know, scouts and coaches and stuff who talk to these players, talk to uh, college coaches, they get a better feel for it, but they still don't know, you know, and, and luckily for a guy like Harry Willis, you know, he was able to get himself down to 10 to 15 play faster. And he was able to, you know, succeed in the NFL. And that's not the case for, maybe a a safety who went in the first round who had this, you know, had to do the same things, but just couldn't respond the way he did. So, yeah, you know, like you said, the first round, you're more likely to hit and more likely to hit maybe on a star or a superstar, but it's such a crapshoot. And it's, it's, it's actually one of the more fun parts of the process. You know, you get to, you kind of see the cream rice of the crop or whatever, uh, whatever that saying is, but yeah. uh, Cream of the crop. Cream of the crop. That's what it is. That's it. Um, But yeah, it's, it's so interesting because, 
there's so many things that can undo you as mm -hmm. a rookie coming in. If you don't, it's like when you go to college and uh, suddenly your mom's not putting vegetables in anymore and you just eat McDonald's all the time. Like that's, that's how this is. I mean, there's somebody holding your hand at all times in college, but then suddenly that's gone. So you have the speed of the game and the violence. You have the fact that you're kind of out on your own now with nobody holding your hand. Mm -hmm. You have the complexity of the playbook is yeah. just, five times more complex. The detail is so much different. This was a Laquan Treadwell problem was, look, when you are told you have to run nine yards at the route and you have to run it at the guy's shoulder a certain way, but only on that kind of coverage. And if you, if you go the, you know, the wrong way that the whole play blows up, like that's what happened to him. He just couldn't get the route depths and the details right. And guys like Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, yep. who are not high draft picks, they got the details right and they became stars. So it's uh, it's so hard to figure out in college, was Laquan Treadwell just sort of like running straight and having them throw the ball to him? Like, I think that's actually what was going on. Yeah. It's just like they're over there holding SpongeBob pictures and saying, all right, Laquan, that means a hitch route and kind of do it wherever you feel like, right? It's just like, it's just totally different. And so let me ask you about a guy that you interviewed and then we'll get into the game of the century here. Um, uh, Ken A. Wongwu has, now he's hurt right now, so he's not going to play Saturday, but he's made a great impression of all the rookies. It's got, you know, we've got Darisaw hurt, Kellen Mon had COVID, Wyatt Davis is with the third team, Chaz Surratt is with the third team. So it's like not going super great, but Ken A. Wongwu has been the guy who has stood out the most. And I think from your coverage leading up to the draft, um, that was maybe foreseeable that he would be a good draft pick for the Vikings. Yeah, I think I actually had him as my I, – I had him in higher than most people. I think I had him as my running back six or whatever. You know, obviously you have – everyone has tiers and, you know, I could be talked to different guys. But, yeah, I think he was like my RB6. Uh, fell in love with his game after I talked with him and, and really got back into his film. And, you know, it's funny with a player like that. It's kind of like that Antonio Gibson type player where it's like he barely touched the ball in college. So how do you really properly evaluate him? But – when I saw his game, especially for a day three pick, because he was going to be a day three pick, he didn't have the the pedigree or anything like that to be much higher. But you see a guy who excels on special teams. He was the Big 12 freshman of the year as a return guy. Uh, he was good in a limited role as a backup. As a, When he touched the ball, he was explosive. I mean, that's the first thing that pops when you think of him as explosive. Uh, and then even talking to him, I mean, you're talking to a guy who, you know, I think he was like straight A's throughout college, uh, really smart kid. Uh, and you could tell there was no ego with him either which is great because again running back even if you're a first round pick sometimes as a running back you're going to come in as a backup or a split time guy he was perfectly fine with that I mean he, he went to Iowa State for all four years sat behind one of the best running backs in the nation all four years you know different two different guys uh never complained never thought about transferring uh so when I kind of combined all of that and I looked at his upside and his special traits and that's actually a big thing that Chris Ballard has kind of helped me understand as a, an evaluator is when you look at players, like they can be flaws, they can be things that they can't do or, or they struggle with, but you have to identify those guys who have a, who have a special trait, you know, that special yep. trait. Uh, DK Metcalf is the perfect example of that, right? They're like, yes, there are flaws. Yes, you know, how, how big could his route tree be? Well, does it matter? The three routes he runs, he runs at the highest level in the NFL, you know, a fly route, a slant, and a hitch. The, uh, he runs all three of those at such an elite level that it doesn't matter, you know, and, and sometimes just those special traits stand out. And, and with him, uh, with Wangu, uh, you know, that, that explosion, that speed, and then also his character, I think are all 
special. And I think when you combine that, especially in the, you know, I, I love the Vikings, you know, coaching staff and stuff. And, I, and I'm glad that they were able to recognize that with him early on. And, and obviously he's not going to take all these snaps from Dalvin Cook, but as a rotational guy, as a third down back, a special teamer, I mean, that's a home run pick in the fourth round. I, I can only see that getting better. I think their running back coach, Kennedy Palomalo has a great eye for these things. Like mm-hmm. he, now I think they overdrafted Alexander Madison, but he's turned out to be a good player and yeah. that was his guy. And he's helped, you know, coaching Delvin cook, Delvin cook credits him uh, with helping him like adapt himself to the NFL. Delvin is an unbelievable talent, but uh, I think we knew that there was going to be a period of him adapting to being an NFL player, which has turned out to be really good for him. And Kennedy's been a big deal there where I'm always trying to listen closely between the lines of what people say about players, because I got this tweet the other day. Someone said, well, don't they always say nice things about their teammates? Like, no, actually they don't. Yeah. Um, and you have to listen for like how they're complimenting them. It's like, oh, you know, he's, he's coming along. It's like, mm, okay, is he? But when Delvin Cook talked about Ken A. Wongwu, he said he's picking up on things with the offense that actually took me longer to get in practice. And I thought that's a very specific compliment. Yeah. I think it speaks to what you're talking about, um, about his character. And so, uh, unfortunately, for this game preview that we're not really doing, but kind of, <laughs> um, we, you know, you can't see Ken A. Wongwu, sorry, but it looks like he's going to be back. Um, the Pioneer Press reported that he's going to be back by week one. So I think that he's an interesting little wrinkle to their offense. So let's um, let's get into this a little bit. Here's where I want to start. I think you're going to love where I want to start, which is I so I pulled up Indianapolis Colts. Who was their top rated PFF guy? Because I did, didn't watch your preseason game. I'm sorry. I'm just not doing that. I, I could barely um, watch it, man. It's free. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Again, I like preseason. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, look, I'm going to watch the preseason game that I'm covering inside the stadium. And I like having football on, but mm-hmm. I wasn't going to go out of my way to focus on every Colts player. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what's and- funny is because I, <laughs> because my secondary job is doing some film stuff for the Broncos. I actually watched all of your guys first game. Oh, wow. Sorry. It was sorry awesome. That, it was hilarious. To you. <laughs> it was hilarious, um, man. It was great. Yeah. It <laughs> I, was, I came uh, away writing down like these notes on every Broncos player that impressed me. And I'm like, man, I got like 60 guys. Like this was <laughs> such an impressive game. <laughs> I've never seen a head coach come out after the game and just trash his entire team after a preseason game. Like I've never seen that before, um, but that's what, that's what happened. So, but the top name on the list on the PFF grades is Holton Hill, former oh, okay. Minnesota Viking. Yeah. He got the highest PFF grade of any Colt for your first preseason game. And I think this is kind of funny because Holton Hill, it was kind of a sad story. It just like yeah. he, Came into a couple games in 2018. People thought, oh, maybe he could be good. And then he started last year. It was instantly a disaster. He got hurt. There was kind of a weird designation. And then he disappeared and they cut him. And then now he shows up back with the Colts. But it's only funny because Xavier Rhodes had a great year for the Colts last year. So is this going to be Xavier Rhodes part two? Or is Holton Hill just like not really actually a part of this thing in Indy? I, I mean, I could see practice squad with him. I, I don't really think he has a chance to make the roster. Uh, they they have six guys at corner uh, that are pretty much all roster locks. Like, there's not really anyone pushing those six guys off. Uh, honestly, I watched Holton Hill in the last game. He was fine. I think Profo Focus probably bumped him up because he did force a fumble. And But that was right after he got beat for, like, a 20-yard gain over the middle and then ripped the ball out. So, I don't, I don't know. Pro Football Focus – 
I, I love pro football focus. I use it for everything. The grades are kind of a little iffy for me, but, um, but yeah, I think he was fine. I, again, I always liked his length and I loved his speed, uh, you know, very talented player. It's just, can he put it all together? You know, he could uh, pro- hopefully on the practice squad this year and he gets, you know, maybe a call up if there's injuries or something, but uh, I don't really think he has much of a chance of making the roster. I, I, he might be one of the next cut downs, honestly, when they get to 80. Well, I just, uh, Vikings fans have always these fears of if we cut this yeah. guy, he'll become a star somewhere else, which actually doesn't happen that often. But, you know, it's one of those fans feel that way. I also think to your point that if you are looking at individual PFF preseason grades, <laughs> I think even they would tell you, look, we're grading everything, but don't make too much of this. Mm-hmm. Like Holton Hill playing. I think I looked it up. He played like 19 plays. Like, okay, yeah. guys, like don't overreact him playing 19. Even in, a, even in a regular season game, single game, it can be so impacted. We saw this with Cam Dantzler. He gets an interception against the Bears, and he gets a 90 grade for the game, which is great, but you know, he was targeted like four times or something in that game. So it's you're dealing with a lot of small samples that maybe people don't necessarily factor. So let's – okay, let me move on from that and talk about something a little more relevant than Holton Hill. I just wanted to get that out of the way because yeah. I laughed when I saw he was the highest-graded player for the first preseason game. Uh, let's talk about the quarterback situation and um, Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger. How long is Carson Wentz going to be out? And like, does this are are Colts fans like really jacked up about this thing because they're this game trying to figure out like what Jacob Eason is going to be for however long he's going to be? Most Colts fans are sold on Eason being legit after one preseason game. I, I don't know the the. Part where I'm at with Jacob Eason is he's done a lot of good things this offseason. Uh, and honestly, he's done everything right since coming into the pros. I mean, regardless of what you thought of him as a, as a prospect, like the thing we could all take away is a huge arm, uh, a lot of upside, but there was a lot of work that needed to be done. And, you know, throughout the whole, his whole first year, he worked with Tom or he worked with uh, Adam Dato. I still got to get used to saying Dato instead of Tom House. Uh, but he worked with Adam Dato in 3D QB, worked on his mechanics, worked on a lot of that. Took notes from Philip Rivers, one of the best to ever do it. So he did everything right. He's coming to this offseason with this opportunity to run with the first team a lot. And it kind of got derailed early because Ellinger has played so well that Ellinger's now getting some first team snaps just because of, of merit is what the coaching staff is saying. I don't know. But uh, he comes out for the first preseason game, plays really well. Uh, there are some issues with his pocket presence and pocket movement, but it's his first game in over a year. And that was an issue in college as well. So I didn't expect that to be perfect. Uh, but yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot of things to like about him. I, I like his upside. I like what he can be. Uh, I'm not as far gone as a lot of Colts fans are, but that's probably because I didn't grow up a Colts fan. I don't have that kind of fandom irrational ability that that most fans do. Uh, but I think there is good reason to be excited that he can at least be a sturdy backup. And, and that you know, when we're talking about a fourth round pick, if you can get a guy who's a backup for you know can come in and win a couple games as a backup then you hit the home run with that fourth round pick. So uh, I'm excited for what Easton can be. I think he's had a good camp. He's gelling with the the receivers. And honestly, every preseason game, we get to see him out there a little bit more. Uh, I'm excited to see, but honestly, it's going to be Ellinger with the, the first, with the first team to start this game. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. They, they said before last week, they said Easton would get the first game with the starters. And then Ellinger would get majority of the snaps with the starters in this game, which we all kind of disagree on. Colts fans kind of disagree on it. But it kind of is what it is. 
That's interesting because we looked at all these quarterbacks for the Vikings. Once we had the feeling that they were going to draft somebody, it became like, okay, let's look at everybody who could possibly be drafted. Ian Book, Ellinger, (laughs) Kellen Mond, of course, ends up with the Vikings. And it seemed like nobody was excited about Sam Ellinger at all. Like there was just this guy is the most sort of milk toast prospect and there's nothing really there and that's it. Where with some other guys, there was like at least Mond, there was athleticism that you could say, well, maybe the ceiling is a little bit higher because of that. Um, is there something there with Ellinger or is it just like this is what we're doing because we kind of have to because Carson Wentz isn't it? I think early in camp, Eason was kind of struggling with his accuracy and struggling with some of that pocket stuff. Again, it's his first training camp as a pro. Uh, those, those issues are going to happen. But Ellinger stepped in, and this is a four-year starting college quarterback who, honestly, outs- I, I really do think outside of, obviously, he has some accuracy concerns, but if his arm was even at NFL level, I think he could be a starting quarterback. The, to me, personally, I don't think his arm is at NFL level and I think most people who watch this college film come away with that even when you watch that first preseason game there were a couple throws where it's like yeah he just doesn't have an NFL caliber arm so he kind of comes in though and he's super poised always good under pressure he's mobile and he's accurate and he's looking good in camp so that's why the the Colts are kind of giving him a shot because you know he's looking good Uh, for me though I there's not really much to get excited about with Ellinger. I think he could be a good backup long-term. You know, I, I always kind of compared him to like Nick Mullins type, like, yeah, he could be, you know, a, a weaker armed but sturdy backup for a team. But for me, if, if, if you have to start one of those guys early in the year, say Carson Wentz does miss time, we, we still have no clue what he, how much he's going to miss. Uh, but if he had to start one at the beginning of the year, I don't see any benefit to starting Sam Ellinger. I just, you know, Eason, it's going to be boom or bust, but you get to finally see what he is. Mm -hmm. Ellinger, you kind of know what you're going to get, and it's going to be fine. It's going to be a poised quarterback who limits your offense but can maybe get the ball down the field a couple times. Uh, But for me personally, I I like seeing Ellinger. He's the kind of guy I like seeing in the preseason, but there's not really much excitement from me in terms of like being a guy in the regular season or when it really counts. Hey everybody, the season is on the way. Fans are going back to stadiums, so you have to be ready with the best Minnesota football gear. That's why you have to check out Soda Stick. I saw a ton of Soda Stick gear around training camp. I expect to see it in the stadium as well. There are so many cool designs on hats, t-shirts, and hoodies for the fall weather, including the John Randall design that is extremely cool. There's also the straight cash homie Randy Moss homage, can't stop the Thielen hats, and a personal favorite, the old video game designs that Tecmo fans will appreciate. Check it all out at sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Everything is screen printed here in Minnesota, and I can tell you that the shirts are comfortable and they last because half of my closet is now Soda Stick at this point. Again, that's sodastick.com, Minnesota sports-inspired goods, and keep your eye out for our Soda Stick giveaways. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
So we were having this discussion on the sideline at camp the other day about how many games the Vikings would win if Jake Browning or Kellen Mond had to play the whole season. And I came up with six and four. I, I think that um, I would give Jake Browning probably four wins and Kellen Mond maybe six because I, I think that Kellen Mond at least could sort of play himself into some comfort. And maybe by the end, he's got like the arm strength. Or, or you mentioned this, I, maybe even before we started recording about Kellen Mond, just like the hot and cold nature of his college tape. And so at least you could get some hot in there and win a handful of games, even if he doesn't exactly know what he's doing yet, where Jake Browning has the same Sam Ellinger problem. Like the arm mm -hmm. strength just isn't there. And what can I do with that? I mean, that's just like you have to reach this baseline or you can't really play in the NFL and win football games. And that's the same problem. So give me give me the same if Carson Wentz's foot falls off and it's either it's Eason or Ellinger. How many games do the Colts win? So, yeah, again, it's it's kind of like a, a range, you know, with with Ellinger, I, I'm pretty confident saying three, four, five, you know, around then, around there, especially with the 17th game, you know, uh, just because, again, I think he's going to be safe. He'd be really fine, but your offense is so limited with a guy with that arm. Uh, he throws some nice, and, and this is a big thing, actually, just to kind of detour a little bit, but when you say arm strength, people always, always misinterpret this. Arm strength is not how far you can throw a football. It's not that, like, uh, Ellinger threw a 40-something yard pass in the game, in the last preseason game that was completed. A beautiful touch pass down the field. That's not what arm strength. Arm strength is, can you fit it into tight windows? Can you push it to the sidelines? Do you have the necessary velocity to survive in the NFL, which I don't think he does. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's just limited. But with Eason, you know, I could see six, seven. And if everything goes right, I could see eight. I mean, the Colts won seven games a couple of years or two years ago with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. So, you know, I could see Eason getting up to eight. Maybe, you know, maybe if everything goes perfect, like the defense plays out of their mind, you can contend for a wild card spot. But, you know, if if Wentz misses this year and misses a lot of this year, the Colts aren't making the playoffs and they get ready for the draft season. Because if if Wentz does miss a good amount of time, then they get that first round pick back. Right. I, I feel the same way about the Vikings, where it's like if you don't have a Ryan Fitzpatrick or Marcus Mariota as your backup quarterback, you just lose like that. Your just season yeah. is completely lost if, say, your quarterback hurts his foot or maybe gets COVID or something like that. If it's your guys, I mean, if yeah. one quarterback gets COVID, then <laughs> that's right. They all do. <laughs> Except for Jake Browning. Who Except for Jake Browning. Yeah who uh, has had a funny moment at the podium where he was like, well, I guess you guys all know my vaccination status now since I'm <laughs> playing quarterback, but um, it was, uh, he dodged the rest of that question, but it was sort of funny where he was like, I didn't mean everyone to know this, but uh, it is what it is. Um, so here's a question about the Colts when I was thinking about this game, because, you know, I, I'd love to preview your defensive line with you or whatever, but you know, it's a preseason game. So I'm not even sure if you're going to play defensive line people that matter. But I want to talk about the bigger picture of this. Cause I feel like with Carson Wentz as your quarterback, that you are like AFC Vikings where I look at the roster for the Colts and I go, mm, there's a lot of, a lot of good players here. A lot of very talented players. And I look at your quarterback and it looks like a tenuous situation where, you know, even Ed Carson Wentz is 
best, okay, for one year, he's really great. But that was an unbelievable team that was capable of winning with Nick Foles. Very hard to repeat. So Mm -hmm. you have a quarterback that probably limits or caps sort of where you're at. And then what is the long term is, I think, a very good question. Like you're uh, you're paying guys who are your stars now, but we've seen that situation where that gets you with the Vikings is it sort of pins you into then relying on draft picks to hit that aren't first rounders. Um, so I, I wonder what you think of like the bigger picture of the Colts and where they are just in the grand scheme of things in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. So starting with the first part of that, uh, when it comes to like Carson Wentz and all that, uh, I, I kind of see this season as an evaluation year see where your direction is as a franchise. You know, like if Carson Wentz comes in and he, you know, sit, we're not talking top five quarterback in the NFL, but I mean, if you're talking top 12, 13, 14, like a real big, a real good bounce back for him, considering he was like 34th last year out of 32, um, you know, then you can really build forward and say, okay, we have a guy who has shown the, you know, shown the necessary step to get back to where he was. And maybe we could even go further with that. Uh, and then you can feel better. And also it's evaluation year for their, their defensive ends. They have two rookies coming in and Quiddy Pay, Dio Adeimbo. Uh, they have young corners out there, cornerback two, Rakia Sin, Marvell Tell, young receivers, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell. So it's really an evaluation year. And they're really throwing all those young guys out into the fire this year, which is perfect. I mean, you, you really got to see what you have in all these young guys. Because like you said, now they're paying DeForest Buckner, Kenny Moore, uh, Quentin Nelson, they're going to pay next year, Brain Smith, Darius Leonard, you know, all that stuff's going to add up. And, and, you know, Chris Ballard never really attacks free agency. That's never been his thing. So, you know, it's, it's perfect. And he's one of the best drafters in the league, but you need to start hitting on these key positions. You know, it's great to find a linebacker. It's great to find a right tackle. It's great to find a left guard, but you need to start hitting on corner and defensive end and wide receiver as well as the quarterback position. So, this year is really big on evaluation just to see where those positions are at and see what Carson Wentz is at. And I think depending on what happens with this year in those positions, you can kind of go from there with the future. So honestly, you know, in the terms of the league right now, they're kind of in that, that, that bubble, like the Vikings where it's like playoff contender, but how much more really right now? I I don't know, but you got to like, I think the little bit different than what they are from the Vikings is like with Kirk Cousins, you guys kind of know what you have with Kirk Cousins, where with the Colts, Carson Wentz, we probably know what we have, but we get, we got to still see this year. Uh, they, they invested that first, they invested that third in him. Uh, see what you have. And if it blows up in your face, you can kind of reestablish and re and kind of repivot. Uh, and you know, the, the GM and the coach both got those big extensions too. So they, there's no risk of them losing their job if this Carson Wentz thing fails. So they can kind of operate more free. Uh, but yeah, this, this year's a big evaluation year to kind of see what the direction of the franchise is going to be. And I know the fans aren't going to love that. Uh, the fr- the fans all want to think, oh, Carson Wentz, former MVP candidate, we're, we're going to go to the Super Bowl this year. That's just not what this year is. This year is evaluating, build for 2022, uh, and see what you kind of have in all these young players. And, and hopefully they take those positive steps to where 2022 hits and you can really make that run. So here, when you talk about getting Carson Wentz to be the 12th best quarterback in the league, bells and whistles go off in my head because, (laughs) because that's actually bad though. Like what we've seen here is that's actually bad. Like you need Carson Wentz to either be MVP Carson Wentz and that's what he is going forward or absolutely blow up because if he's 12th, you'll pay him. 
and then, or you'll keep him on a huge contract and then you'll struggle to keep everybody around him. You'll struggle to fill out the, the tougher pieces of like, Oh, let's get this veteran corner. Oh, we can't, we mm-hmm. need to have a rookie corner there. And then he gets roasted for the whole season or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a domino yeah. effect. And then if you're 12th, the thing that I think when we look at like PFF grades, rankings, tiers is we don't have a good understanding of how far away 12th actually is from first. It's like, well, that doesn't sound that far away. Or from even first. fifth. Or, right. even or fifth. fifth, right. Yeah. Because the third best quarterback in the league is like Aaron Rodgers. And mm-hmm. so you, you are closer when you're 12th to Andy Dalton than you are to Aaron Rodgers. And so how do you win the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And so I think about this all the time. I think for the Colts, it would be better if this thing did blow up and then they can draft a quarterback and have a quarterback on a rookie contract, which I think is the direction that the Vikings want to go after this year if they can find a trade partner for Cousins. Yeah, and and honestly, when I when I say get him 12, it's not 12 going forward. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. seeing that he can get up to at least like see that he's not broken. You know, if we can just establish he's not broken, then we can kind of go from there and see what we got. And and again, if it, if it all blows up, the, the coaches and the GMs have that that security blanket where they can confidently move on and 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 not because, you know, every single coach, every single GM in this league is playing like their life is on the line, you know, because yeah. they are. They, they really are. I mean, the average we always talk about the average player in the NFL last three or four years, but the average coach or GM lasts just as long, you know, so they are kind of really playing for that one contract. Uh, so having that security, they can be confident with moving on if they have to. And and the best thing about Carson Wentz is with Wentz, you seem to either get 34th ranked quarterback or top 10 quarterback. That's beautiful. I love it. It's so much better than Jacoby Brissett where you're going to get like the 18th ranked quarterback. Uh, so that's the beauty about Carson Wentz. If he is just what he was last year, then perfect. We move on. We, we get a top five pick, top 10 pick, and then we can we can – well, overdraft one of these bad quarterbacks in 2022 class, but, <laughs> but you know, that, that's a conversation for later in the online, but yeah, you know what, this, this year, it's, it's really just a wait and see with this season for me though. It's, it's really see what you got uh, with Wentz with those young positions and kind of just go on from there. And then the whole conversation just kind of continues in 2022 and fans hate that fans hate kind of kicking that can down the line. That's what the Colts have kind of done these last couple of years. Yeah. You know, when they signed Phillip Rivers last year, it's kind of kicking that can down um and training for wins might be the same thing but uh you know you just gotta take it as you go with it and and see and and yeah hopefully they don't fall into mediocrity kind of like the vikings have since you know since that nfc championship game loss uh, against the eagles well and it seems like the similarity too is that you know you have a good coach Mm -hmm. uh, and a capable front office and so you don't want to have a three in 14 year and if you played Sam Ellinger, you would have probably three and 14 <laughs> here and you would draft high and it would be great for your franchise. Cause you take Sam Howell or, or whoever Spencer Rattler, like you'd get one of those guys and then you go forth, but your front office doesn't want that. And your fans mm-hmm. don't want that. And you're like too, you have too many talented players to say, Hey, Darius Leonard, sorry, pal. Look, I know you're great, but we're going three and 14 this year. Like that's just really hard to say. And yeah. so a lot of Vikings fans will be like, well, why don't we take a step back? Well, are you going to tell Delvin cook that? Are you exactly. going to tell, you know what I mean? So it's, it's better on the video games to do that though. It's so much <laughs> right. easier on video right. games. You know, you, if you want to tank, you just tank, but then you kind of, and this is actually a bad example because they still got their quarterback, but then you get those situations where your roster you build is so good. You know, like the like Chicago Bears last year, 
your roster is so good to where you can just throw out Trubisky and Nick Foles. I mean, two of the worst quarterbacks in football and still make the playoffs and still compete in the playoffs. I mean, I think they got there. They didn't compete, but they were, they weren't blown out of the water by the saints. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's tough to navigate when like, it, it's tough to navigate when you have a, a really good GM and good coach and you kind of have mediocrity, a quarterback, or you have like the Colts where your superstar quarterback walks away uh, because it's like, oh, we just built up this whole great roster, but we can, we'll never get to the promised land because we don't have that quarterback. So I like the shot with Wentz because, like, maybe he could get there. You know, he, he's kind of been close to that before. So you, who, who knows? Maybe like take that shot. You know, you have a good enough roster where you can take that that shot at it. Uh, but, you know, if it crashes and burns, hopefully they're aggressive enough to go up and get it because they have that security. Yeah, I don't hate the idea because you have seen him have an MVP level year. It's just that the most likely outcome is kind of the worst one. And the same thing existed when they signed Kirk Cousins, where it was like Mm -hmm. the guy's history tells you that he'll be the 12th best quarterback in the league every year. And he's going to he's just going to be who he is. And with the Vikings, just because you paid him to be the highest paid quarterback doesn't change fundamentally what you have here. And so you need to have everything go right and your roster be great. And your roster has had some bumps along the road. Like mm-hmm. Xavier Rhodes all of a sudden wasn't good anymore. And then, yeah. uh, and so your defense was failable. And then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Then these things sort of um, kind of collapse around that because the team that's going to go to the Super Bowl has the best player in the world. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's, and that's where you like, you talk yourself into all these things and then you have to remember, Oh yeah, they have Brady. Oh yeah. They have Rogers. Oh yeah. They have a great roster. You know, that, that whole sort of thing. So it's yeah. interesting to be in positions like, and that's why I was so excited to talk with you about this because I feel like you can give similar perspective to where we're at about being one of those teams that everyone has to finish 14th in the league this year. Yeah. And it's actually fascinating even looking, cause like you said, you know, odds are they're going to suck or be average, right. With, with veteran quarterbacks, you bring in Kirk cousins, Carson Wentz. Uh, but I would even go one step further, even with the draft, stuff i mean unless you're picking first overall uh what are the odds that you trade your two first round picks to move up and get this big armed raw quarterback from texas tech he's you know it's more likely to be a jake locker than he is a pat mahomes you know and Mm -hmm. then he ends up being uh the best quarterback in football by far uh so it's it's everything's so risk management and sometimes you just kind of got to go for it and i kind of like with the colts where they they were aggressive but it wasn't overly aggressive to get a guy who has been up there before uh, and then you can still pivot and survive from it. Uh, would I have wished that they stayed put and just trade up for Justin Fields come draft night? I, obviously. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was going for the whole time. But, uh, it, yeah, man, it's it, it's it's fast. The NFL is so fascinating because, like, you could do everything. Like, Chris Ballard has done everything right since coming into the league. You know, drafted well. He's drafted all pros. Uh, put is putting together the team that Andrew Luck would have won the Super Bowl with. But because the regime before him ruined Andrew Luck, you don't get to have him win that Super Bowl with the team that you put together. So it's just, you know, it's tough and and kind of how to navigate from that stuff once you've already built that good team. It, you know, because like you said, you can't tank. You, like you're going to tell Darius Leonard that, oh, hey, we're tanking. Don't don't play this year. Or, you know, or you're going to tell T.Y. Hilton who's in his 30s after, you know, making the playoffs with Andrew Luck the last couple of years. Ah, hey, we're tanking. Like, you know, it, it's fine. You know, it, it's, it's tough. It, like tanking is great on paper and I'm – all for it because getting that first overall pick and getting a quarterback typically works out and, and pays off for you. But if you try to tell that to your locker room. 
Well, there's only so many teams that can ever do it. It's like yeah. the Jaguars had all young players or no talent. They had a coach who was just a dead man walking. Like what, mm-hmm. what difference does it make if you win one game? And if you sit Gardner Minshew to make sure that you lose all the games, like that's just like, that. that's fine. You could totally do that, but you can't just say like last year when the Vikings are one and five, uh, Kirk, why don't you take a seat? We're going to play Sean Mannion the rest of the way, yeah. even though, if they did, they'd be drafting Zach Wilson, and then look how we'd feel right now, and we'd be going, oh, my gosh, this situation, Jefferson and Cook and Thielen and Irv Smith, like he's all set up for the future, but you're just not in a position to do something like that. It would take it would take a coach basically being told, we don't care what happens the rest of the way, So and Kirk, you're gone. And, yeah. and they were – And it would, well, it would also take a coach being told like, hey, we don't care about you going forward either. Because it's hard to get like uh, Jim Caldwell, Jim Caldwell with the Colts with, when they when they tanked to get uh, Andrew Luck. Caldwell is a great coach, like excellent mm-hmm. coach. Uh, yeah, Super Bowl resume, you know, been to Super Bowl, whatever. Really good coach. Uh, and he took that decimated roster, and they what won two games that year, and they got Andrew Luck, and he got fired for it. And it's like, how do, how do you like? He's a great coach. What do you? Is he a two and fourteen coach? No, he's definitely not a two and fourteen coach. Uh, but he he got fired for doing exactly what they wanted, and it's it's yeah, the NFL is crazy. It, it's 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 so crazy to look at because you have to look at it from a fan perspective, from analytic perspective, where a fan and analytic are like, yeah, we kind of want to tank to get a Trevor Lawrence, but these are also people, and it's not the video game. It's not something you can just manipulate to get that. Where there's people's jobs on the line, so it's. It's, it's always a fascinating conversation with that stuff. And I think about how hard Mike Zimmer fought to mm-hmm. win games against Carolina Jacksonville last year that got them, I think, six wins in a row. And what was it worth, right? Like, what did it mean? So that's an interesting point because um, I was thinking, tell the coach, look, you're here no matter what. But yeah. actually telling the coach, look, there's no way you're here or just firing him. Like last year with the Detroit Lions, they just, you know, let's just blow out Patricia and whoever's going to coach. Daryl Bevel gets COVID or something. It's like, yeah. I don't know, let somebody's dog coach. We just need to lose this game, right? And so mm-hmm. then, you know. They end up with a higher draft pick, uh, but that is not really a position that either one of our teams are in, even though it would be great for them. If you could drop a rookie quarterback contract into a roster, that's really great. The only other way to do that is sort of what you're trying to do what the Vikings tried to do with getting an outside quarterback, but there's only one Favre in 09 and there's only one Tom Brady dropping in to the Tampa Bay Bucks. And uh, I don't think Vikings fan will, will ever get Rogers here. I'm, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. So yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's a really interesting sort of subject to talk about is the, how do you stay competitive and then get to that Super Bowl? And I think the answer is you just have to hope that one year it goes your way. And it almost did in 2017 for the Vikings. And it has happened before in the past with them. But I think it's the same position for the Colts until there's somebody else playing quarterback or Wentz emerges as the MVP that he was for a year. It's like, you, you just have to hope that all these things click that your kicker makes his kicks and the other team fumbles too much. And you're the, all the quarterbacks in your division get hurt. And like, you just, and it does work sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, luck is a big part of it. <laughs> luck is a big, big, not Andrew Luck anymore. Just luck in general. It's a big part of it. For sure. Can I ask you, is you, do you think he's ever going to come back? No, no. I think there was actually some, some smoke around it 
this past offseason that he was considering it, uh, which, oh, God, that would have been great. Just throw him back there. Um, there was some smoke, and and I was actually I actually talked to a source that did say that he was considering it, but apparently when you close the door on that, that was it. Like that was kind of it was kind of spoken between Ursay and Luck that like that was it. You know, like mm. it's it's never gonna happen again. Honestly, I feel happy. I mean, football. I love football. I love evaluating football. I love watching football. But whenever a guy hangs it up early, I always feel happy for him. You Me know, too. like yep. like uh, one of my favorite players ever. Uh, when I first started getting into this, I was in high school and I was watching draft and I was like, I think this, this Chris Borland guy is going to be really good in the NFL. I was pumped. You know, I had him as like a first round guy on my little like notepad or whatever mock rap, mock draft. And then he was a pro bowler the first year and then he retired. And at the time I was upset about it, but now thinking back, it's like, that guy's probably living his best life. You know, he got a year in the NFL, got pro bowl, got the incentives and the cash with that. And then walk away and he's, he's going to walk away, you know, relatively concussion free from what the NFL is going to bring and all that. So I always feel happy for those guys and, and moving on from football, uh, even though it sucks not to see them out there anymore. The Vikings just had a player retire. Yeah. After, Cam, Cameron yeah. Smith, right? Cameron yeah, Smith. Yeah. yeah. After he had a concussion and last year he had heart surgery and I felt the same way. Like I credit you for coming back from that heart surgery, but good for you, man. Like protect yourself have a long, happy life. You played in the NFL. You could be proud of that, but don't risk the rest of your life for this. I mean, it's just not yeah. worth it. So um, I, I totally agree with you there. Give me one thing before we wrap up. It's been a great conversation. Um, give me one thing that you want to see in terms of like a battle. Like I want to see the Colts, this versus the Vikings, that on Saturday night, because we didn't actually preview this. Like it was the preseason game of the century. Oh man, you hate to see it. What a mistake. It's so much better to talk about actual team stuff than yes, talk about the sure. preseason game. For sure. Uh, the biggest thing I'm excited to see, and I'm super happy it comes against the Vikings because we have like we have about four or five guys that are locked in on our defensive line right now. Everyone else is kind of fighting for their life, or it's a young player that we're trying to see more of. And it's the perfect time to run into the Vikings offensive line. I'm very <laughs> <laughs> after well again after watching after watching the Broncos game from from last week and seeing some undrafted guys and some backups for the Broncos kind of you know winning with ease. I'm excited to see which Colts guys can stand can stand out against the Vikings offensive line. Um, I actually liked a lot of the Vikings offensive line when they were coming out of college. It's just. They never lived up to what I expected. <laughs> Garrett Bradbury was one of my favorite draft prospects that year he came out and so many other guys that you guys have. But um, yeah, I think this is a good time for the Colts with all those young, you know, Ben Banigou, Cam Klein, um, Andrew Brown, who that's, that's a draft Twitter throwback there. He had a great preseason game last week. Uh, just seeing what those guys can do against the Vikings offensive line that from when I watched last week looked pretty shaky. <laughs> and from my perspective, um, it's simply did the Vikings like play show this up. week? Yeah, right? show yeah. up. Well, and, and Mike Zimmer calling them out, it puts a target on your back. Like you mm-hmm. now, your team in a preseason game that means nothing actually has to go show they care about you a little bit because yeah. you went off. And so if the second team comes out and gets boat raced again, it's going to be like, are they even listening to Zimmer at this point? You know, like you're going to start asking that question in the preseason, which is just bizarre to me, but here we are. So, um, Zach, you do tremendous work. And I would say that even if you're a Vikings fan listening to this, which I assume that you are, um, you're a great follow on Twitter. Even if you don't care about the Indianapolis Colts at all, 
just cool football stuff. You do interviews, articles, um, your stuff on the quarterback gurus working with Carson Wentz and things like that. Super interesting. So at Zach, Z-A-C-H, you're one of those people at Zach Hicks two and the number two, Zach Hicks two. So I, um, advise everyone, go follow your work. Uh, you do great stuff. And thanks for the time, man. I'm glad that we had at least this preseason game to get together. Um, we, we should just do it when our teams are not playing because I, I enjoy having you on the show. Yeah, man. Anytime during draft season or whatever, or maybe, you know, come February when both our teams from the Super Bowl, you know, we just talked oh. the whole time here about them not getting there, you know, come February when they're both in the Super Bowl, we can do this again. I think you made the same joke last time. It didn't exactly work out for either one of us last year. So, well, at least that matchup was good in week two back then. It was no, a fun matchup. Probably, actually, the two most miserable games I think I've ever covered are both Vikings Colts. And I'm sure there are a couple other ones mixed in there, but 34 to six at US Bank Stadium um, in 2016. And then last year, just so. Well, uh, well, I think last year was what, 27 to six or something? Yeah. Or something around then, too. Yeah. There was a garbage time touchdown, as there usually is. So, <laughs> um, Zach, great stuff, man. Really enjoy following you and following your work and seeing you get more opportunities. It's, I uh, love to see it. So, uh, we will talk again soon, man. Thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thanks, buddy.